0: The success of your life will be determined by what you take hold of and what takes hold of you. Today, we'll be looking at two parables that'll teach us to think deeply about who and what we take hold of in life. This message is the second in the series, Take Hold of True Greatness. The message is entitled, Go All In. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Well, I want to start this morning by giving a good morning and a welcome to all of our folks in our Frederick campus. Would you give them a good round of applause this morning and as we start to study God's Word together? And then all the folks at universities at Shady Grove campus as well. Good morning to all you guys as well as we study God's Word together. What a great joy it is. Grab your Bibles, Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, just a moment, we'll be in verses 44 through 46, I want to talk about going all in, we're involved in a series of messages this fall called Take Hold. God wants you to take hold of things in your life, very important things He has for you. All through the Bible, we see that God calls His people to take hold, to possess certain things. In the Old Testament, God led His children out of of Egypt and brought them into the promised land so they could take hold of and take possession of the promised land. It was to be theirs. And when we come into faith in Christ, there are things that we are to take hold of, not physical things, but spiritual promises that God has for your life and my life. And you must get hold of them, take hold of them so that they change you, radically transform you, because what you take hold of and what takes hold of you forms your life. Whatever is really is the conviction of your heart and captures your soul is what will form the decisions of your life. So we must be very careful what we take hold of and what takes hold of us. Jesus gave us a wonderful parable in Matthew chapter 13 that helps us to understand the value of taking hold of the right things. First and foremost, a relationship with him. And let me read for you. Again, these are the verses 44 through 46, Matthew chapter 13. I'm reading from the New International Version. As we talked about last weekend, there's a first and foremost lesson in this. That's that you and I, if we're going to be effective in life and taking hold of the right things, we have to understand the difference between things that are superficial and things that are substantial. If you're spending all of your energy taking hold of things that have superficial value, you will miss out on the things that have substantial value. And here in this story, Jesus talks about a man that was going through a field. The field didn't belong to him, but as he's going through this field, he discovers a treasure, something that has substance to it. And so he was willing to sell everything to have the treasure. And then the second parable in this connection, this tandem of parables, he talked about a man who was a dealer in jewels and how he was looking for pearls, and he found a pearl of greatest price. And because of this, he was again willing. It had substance to it. He was willing to sell everything to have that one pearl. And so for you and me, it's extremely important that we learn how to differentiate in life between the superficial and the substantial. There are a lot of people that go through their entire life and they spend almost all of their energy on things that have no eternal value to them whatsoever. They spend their life on the superficial. Now, to move past the superficial, we have to understand that some things have value that's worth a great investment. And there's a statement on your notes. We read it last week. I'm going to ask you to read it again together. I'm going to ask all the campuses to read, and both here in Gaithersburg, Frederick, also at universities at Shady Grove. Let's read together. The, the phrase starts there on your notes. There are things. Let's read. Here we go. There are things that are so valuable that it's worth whatever price you have to pay to get them. Let's read it again. There are things that are so valuable that it's worth whatever price you have to pay to get them. And that's really the essence of these two parables that Jesus gave us here in Matthew chapter 13. Don't settle for the superficial. There are things in life that are so valuable that it's worth whatever you have to pay to have them in your hands. So today I'm going to talk about two basic things that will help us to understand the importance of going all in, to make sure that we have the right stuff in our life and are taking hold of the right things. The first thing for this weekend, in fact, a principle that continues in this very same passage, you have to purchase to possess. If you're going to possess the right things in life, you have to make a purchase of these things. Listen again as I read this passage, Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46. I'll read it again very slowly. Let these words sink into your spirit. The kingdom of heaven, that's the rule of God. Anytime God shows up and rules in your life when His will is being done, that means His kingdom has come. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. You might circle the word treasure there. Treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven or the rule of God is like a merchant looking for fine pearls when he found one of great value, or one translation says the pearl of great price or of great value. He went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Again, Jesus says this is how the kingdom works. If you want the kingdom of God to really happen in your life, if you want God to rule you and God to control you and God's will to be done in your life, this is what you must understand. And a key part of this passage is the purchase. Would you say that phrase with me? The purchase you can't understand either of these parables without understanding there was a purchase involved both in the purchasing of the field in which the treasure was found and the purchasing of the pearl of great price in both stories both of these men purchased something they bought the field they bought the pearl And we must understand that if you and I are going to have the greatest treasures in life, it requires an investment. It requires a purchase. There's something that you have to put in to get something out. And let me quickly say that uh, in terms of understanding theology and understanding how we have a relationship with God, I'm not talking about your salvation because you cannot purchase your salvation. Jesus purchased it for you. Isn't that great to know? That we don't earn our salvation. There's not a thing that we can do to to get salvation from God except put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so salvation is a gift from God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 reminds us of this. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift, notice that word, the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And while we are saved by grace, what Jesus did for us, There's a personal price to pay when it comes to following Jesus. When you made the decision to put your faith in Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I'm accepting you into my life. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. There in that moment was a transaction that was free to you. didn't cost you anything. Jesus, there in that moment, gave you the gift of salvation. Anyone want to say hallelujah to that? Okay, You didn't have to earn it. You didn't have to be good enough to get it just was given right there to you. It's a free gift that God gave you by His grace. It's phenomenal to think about. But now having received that gift, He expects us to do something with it. He expects us to follow through with that gift and use it in a way. And when you and I begin to follow Jesus day in and day out, that part of the process will always cost you something. It costs to be a follower of Jesus. It doesn't cost to go to heaven, but it costs to be one of his disciples. There's a price to pay. Notice Mark chapter eight, verses 34 through 38. Then he, Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple, would you circle the phrase there, my disciple? Again, not just a believer, but now we're talking about a disciple, right? There's a difference in simply being a believer in Jesus and being someone who is a disciple of Jesus, that's a learner, someone that's coming alongside and learning the ways of the kingdom of God. Whoever wants to be my disciple again not my believer but my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me he's def- he's defining the cost here okay for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. For what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when He comes in His Father's glory with the, heaven, with the holy angels. So again, there's a price to pay to become a disciple. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, "No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God." Again, Jesus is laying out the price that it, that we have to pay to become not just a believer, but to become one of His. Followers, a true disciple. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 30. Again, laying foundation here for us this weekend. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said. So here's a whole bunch of folks following Jesus, and look at what he says to this large crowd. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. that's a way to thin out a crowd, isn't it? Okay you got a large crowd following you, and now suddenly you say, if you don't hate your mother and father and your brothers and your sisters and, and give up everything and follow me, you can't be my disciple. Now, of course, he was not in any way saying that we ought to have hatred toward our family. He was saying that our love for him ought to always take precedent over our love for our family. He, he always should come first. Amen? You don't love your family first. You love God first. And so you love that. You have that love relationship with Him. And all other relationships fall underneath that number one relationship. And He says, such a person cannot be my disciple. Verse 27. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish if we're going to get God's highest and God's best there is a price to pay we have to be ready to pay the price I'm going to give you one word that summarizes the price that you have to pay to truly be a follower of Jesus Christ when you take hold of him it requires this one thing commitment that's the word commitment And commitment is all about what you take hold of and what you let go of. That's what you can't be committed to everything. It's impossible in life to go through life and be committed to everything because at some point in time you start prioritizing what really is the most important to me and what am I going to give my life to? What will I commit my time and efforts and energy and resources to? I cannot commit myself to everything and so I'm going to pay a price with my commitment. I'm going to show that this is important to me. I'm going to demonstrate by the commitments of my life the kind of things that I'm going all in with. Because you can't go all in with everything. Amen? You can't. So you have to begin to make choices. And all this make choices about where we are going to commit and the things we will take hold of and the things that we will will release in life and who we will allow to take hold of us. And Jesus said, you have to choose. You have to... If you're going to become my disciple, there's some major important choices that you must make. Now, I want to talk to you about four things that you have to let go of, four commitments that you have to make if you want to be a disciple of Jesus. I don't want to just be a believer. I want to be a disciple. Amen? Okay? I don't want to just say, hey, I believe in Jesus, and have sort of easy sort of, oh, yeah, I just believe in Jesus. I'm going to heaven. I want to be one of his followers. Do you? Okay? You want to be a disciple? Okay. So to be a disciple of Jesus and to really take hold of him and allow him to take hold of us, we have to make some commitments and we have to let go of some things so we can have space for him in in our lives. Because I will tell you, if you don't let go of some things, there will be no space for him in your life, right? You can't have everything in your life. So you've got to create space for God. You hear what I just said? You've got to create some space for God in your life. And if you don't create space for God, you're, you're crowding him out of your life. So here are four things that you have to learn to let go of if you want to create space for God. Number one, you have to let go of your plans. You have to commit your plans to God. Every person here probably has some plans for their life. That is, you thought about what you want your life to look like and what you intend for your life. But I will tell you that if you want to be one of Jesus' disciples, you don't have plans anymore, okay? You may have them, but they're, they come secondary to his plans, because you come to say, God, I'm now understanding that I belong to you, and I don't get to plan my life anymore because I'm now one of your followers. I am one of your disciples, and so you are the master. I am the student. You are the Lord. I am the subject. You are the one that has control of my life, and I'm the one to whom will submit. I will submit to you. And so we submit our plans to God, and his plans always trump our plans. You have to allow that to happen. I grew up in a, in a pastor's home. My dad uh, was a pastor all of my life, and so I understand church life. understand what it means to be a pastor from a, a pastoral perspective, being a part of church life all of my life. And so as I began to move into my young adult years and, and began to think about what my career was going to be, I, I started thinking about a lot of things other than a pastor. Because I saw what pastoral life was like. I saw the kind of toll it would take on my dad, the kind of challenges that went along with being a pastor. So if you think being a pastor is just easy, we sit around all day and read our Bibles and pray and drink coffee. You don't get it, okay? There's a lot more that goes into being a pastor. Because you know who pastors deal with? People, okay? Right. And you love people, I love people, but the reality is when you're working that closely with people, there are challenges that go along with that. And so I understood that, I realized that, and so I made some plans for my life that did not include pastoral ministry. I made some plans. I was going to love Jesus and serve Jesus. I, I didn't have any desire to walk away from Jesus, but I just didn't want that part of it for my life. I wanted something else. I wanted to do something that I wanted to do. And so I started making some plans for kind of what I wanted or thinking about for my life. But I will never forget uh, one evening as I was, I was in college at that point in time, and I'd been away back home for college, was driving back to the school over the weekend. And on that, it was late, late, late at night. And as I was driving and praying in my little car on the way back, the Holy Spirit filled that car in such a dramatic way. And I had one of those moments with Jesus where I had to decide, would it be my plan or his plan? I had to come to that point of saying, okay, am I willing to lay my plans down and take His plan for my life, or am I going to continue down the pathway of what I want to do? And there was this sort of showdown in a good, loving way. It was not as though God was came into the car with a, with a, with a hammer or a baseball bat. It was a, a wooing, a calling of God in my life. And there in that moment, that late night, probably 11 o'clock or midnight in the evening, driving in South Carolina in that little car, God spoke to me and said, are you willing to lay down your plans and Embrace my plan for your life. And I said, okay, just tell me what it is. And God didn't tell me what it was, okay? God said, give me a blank sheet of paper. And there was a moment in my spiritual journey where I had to decide would I, would I, would I do this? Would I commit to His way or my way? And the same is true for you. And by the way, Uh, god's plan for your life doesn't include a plan to full-time ministry for everybody i'm not saying that in any way shape or form but it includes just doing what god wants for your life rather than doing life your way how you want to do it so you commit your plans to god number two you have to commit your opinions to god anybody here have some opinions well i heard a little a little rumble going through the crowd right there okay of course you do. Opinions are the way you think about things, the way you think things ought to be, and what you think is right and wrong, and all these kinds of things. And what you have to understand is that when you come into relationship with Christ, you, you, your opinions get submitted to His opinion. You know why? Because His opinion is higher than your opinion, okay? Because He's right, and many times we're not. In fact, the Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so we come to that place of saying, God, even my opinions really don't matter because what I want is I want to know what your word, what is your take on things, God? Because I've got to live my life now, not on the basis of what I think is right or I think is wrong, but I'm going to embrace something that goes deeper. I'm going to say, God, you get the right now to tell me what the plan of my life needs to be. And God, you get the right to tell me what my, my opinion should be. I'm going to adopt your opinion. Opinions rather than my own. doesn't make you some mindless fool. It means that you begin to get into God's Word and discover what does God say about life and what does God say about truth and what does God say about right and what does God say about wrong and what does God say about better and what does God say about best. You begin to get in the Word of God and let Him begin to transform you by the renewing of your mind. But it doesn't happen until you're willing to lay down your plans, until you're willing to lay down your opinions. Thirdly, you have to lay down your preferences. Well, I would prefer it to be this way. Well, guess what? Sometimes our preferences come in the way of God's plan. God's preferences. So, let's say a preference is a right to choose, and sometimes we don't have the right to choose. There are things in my life now I don't have the right to choose anymore because I, God has already made a choice regarding what those things are, and my response has already given been given to me through God's word, and so I choose uh, God's preferences over my own. And the bottom line of this, what you have to be willing to let go of or commit to, is God having the complete ownership of your life. That's really what it's all about. Okay. And that's you, you're not going to grow as a Christian as much as you need to grow and experience all that God has for you until you really get to that place of saying, you know what, I, really, I don't even own my life anymore. That everything that I have really has come from God. Every good and perfect gift I have is from God. And every every everything that could be good in my life will come from God. And so if I want to have my best life, it's not a life that I plan. It's not a life based upon my opinions. It's not a life based upon my preferences. It's a life that's based upon me realizing that now God owns me. He He, is, he has bought me with a price by the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. So I don't even own myself anymore. Everything I have belongs to him and folks there's a freeing day that happens in your life when you begin to get to that place of saying I don't even own my life anymore Jesus everything belongs to you isn't it amazing when you get there what freedom comes and I'll talk more about that in a moment but remember the story we read a moment ago Matthew chapter 13 the man's walking through the field right and he finds a treasure and he says this is an amazing treasure the Bible says that he hides that treasure back in the field and he goes away and he sells everything to have enough money to buy the field so he can get the treasure, okay? Did you hear that phrase again? You can't get the treasure until you buy the field, okay? can't get the treasure until you buy the field. Well, the treasure is Jesus, correct? That's the treasure, And to to have that fullness of that treasure, you have to buy the field. How do you do that? By commitment, by being willing to say, Jesus, I give up my plans. I give up my opinions. I give up my preferences. In fact, I just give up my whole life to you. I want to be your follower. That leads to the second point and the final point today. When you and only when you invest is when you'll start to enjoy. Investment in the kingdom is when you begin to enjoy the kingdom. There are great rewards that happen whenever you and I decide to do what I've just described, give up our plans, our opinions, our preferences, our life. Look again at this passage, Matthew 13. Listen closely. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his... What's the next word there? Would you circle that word on your notes, in his joy? Go back to that passage in your notes there and circle the word joy it's at the top of your page I want you to see that word in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field so he invested in it again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls when he found one of great value or the pearl of great price he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it note the word joy see when the man discovered the treasure he discovered something incredibly valuable and he said, I mean, this I mean, if you find a treasure on a piece of land somewhere, and you know that you if you sell everything, you can buy the land and get the treasure, what are you gonna feel on the inside? Joy. Why? Because you're getting the treasure, okay? Are you with me on this? Okay. You're being able to obtain something that is worth everything to have. And so, when you value and understand the, the reality of what the treasure is, then there's a joy in the cost that is required to have it, okay? You'll never buy anything until you realize, wow, this is worth it. I don't care what it costs me to have that. This thing is so worth it that I will, I will, I'm I all in. And Whatever i got to do to get this in my life, whatever I have to do to be in this place with God, yeah, if I need to give up my plans, so be it. If I need to give up my opinions and my preferences, so be it. If I need to give up the ownership of my life, so be it because this treasure is so great. Man, there's an amazing joy in the treasure. I've got to have that. Why? Because that's where my joy is going to be. There are a lot of Christians that are not experiencing real joy in their life because they haven't bought the field and gotten the treasure. Oh, they're believers, but they're not making the commitment to become true disciples of Christ, and it's only when you follow Jesus as a disciple that you begin to experience the joy of living in Him and letting Him live in you every day, taking hold of Him and letting Him truly take hold of you. Why? Because you have given up you, and now it's all about Him And so this man realized the joy of this, and he made the investment. And with the investment will always come the joy. And so I want to talk to you just for a few moments about what the treasure looks like. The treasure has a name. His name is Jesus. And when you have Jesus, you have some phenomenal things. Let me share with you six rewards or six dimensions of the treasure. What I want to do today is open up the treasure chest for you. Because I believe if you see what's in the treasure chest, you'll be willing to make the investment necessary. The first thing that you find in the treasure called Jesus, you find a life foundation. I will tell you that a foundation is extremely important for your life. Ask any builder how important is the foundation, they will tell you it's everything. Because a building will not stand without a foundation. If you build a beautiful building and it's wonderfully decorated, but it doesn't have a foundation, as soon as the first wind comes its way and the first storm comes its way, it will be demolished. Jesus gave us a story about that. He talked about a man who built his house upon the sand, a man who built his house upon the rock, and the storm came. By the way, storms come to everybody. Don't think that you are, you're you're never going to have any storms in your life if you're a Christian. No, we all have storms that come our way. Life is a stormy experience, okay? And so everybody will experience storms. The difference is, how will you make it through the storm? Will you come through the storm and on the other side still be okay? And I can tell you that if you have Jesus, this treasure chest called Jesus, if he truly is Lord of your life, if you have truly re- released to him your plans and your opinions and your preferences and the ownership of your life, I will tell you that when he is the foundation of your life, no matter what the storms are, you will come out on the other side still standing. You'll not, you'll not be demolished by them. And so for some of you today that might be going through a stormy time in life and nobody likes the storms, nobody wants the storms, nobody prays for storms, but the reality is storms do come our way. That's why you need the treasure chest called Jesus, because when you have Jesus, there's a foundation for your life that cannot, will not be shaken. It's solid, it's secure. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, that great hymn says. And so when you get the treasure of Jesus, you have a foundation for your life. Thank God for a foundation. Number two, the second thing you get when you find Jesus, you have freedom. You have freedom from guilt and freedom from sin and freedom from condemnation and freedom from judgment and freedom from bondage and freedom from religion. Thank God, okay? Why? Because you have a relationship with God that frees you up. See, let me tell you something about Jesus. He is the great emancipator. He's the one that sets captives free. He's the one that breaks chains in your life. And when His presence comes into your life, there are things that start to be broken free that you could never break free before. He likes to shatter the chains that are holding you back. And that's why it's important that you buy in, go all in with Jesus. Why? Because He wants to liberate you to the total degree. He wants you to know the truth that will set you free. And the Bible says if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. There's no other freedom like the freedom that Jesus Christ can bring to your life. And if you're in a place of bondage today, I will tell you, and we all face those things in life, what you need Need most importantly is you need to just get more of Jesus in you and let Jesus work more deeply in you because He breaks chains. Amen. Ask the apostle Paul and Silas when they were in a Philippian jail and they did not know what to do and they were were struggling with the whole environment they were in and life was difficult for them. And so, Paul and Silas, you can read about this in Acts chapter 16, they made a decision to start praising God, start praying and praising God. They went to the treasure, they went to Jesus. They focused in on the one thing that they had with them. See, Jesus was there with them. And so they they went to him. And the Bible says as they were praying and singing hymns, God sent an earthquake and shook up the whole little area of Philippi. And the chains came off and the prison doors flew open. And liberation came to Paul and Silas. And, in fact, the Bible says that all the prison doors were opened up in that moment. Why? Because Paul and Silas understood the value of the treasure. Folks, when you have the treasure, you get freedom. When you have the treasure, you get a foundation for your life. When you get the treasure, you get freedom. Number three, when you get the treasure, there's a force and focus that comes to your life. The force is the power of God that can work in you. There is a power of God called the Holy Spirit. He is the power of God that God has sent from heaven that you and I as believers have the opportunity of receiving that wonderful gift and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you and me, and so when you feel weak, guess what? He can be strong in you. When you feel weak and don't have the capacity, you can trust the Jesus in you to rise up. You can trust the Holy Spirit within you to give you the strength that otherwise you would not have. Let me tell you why I want Jesus and why I want all of Jesus because I need his power. How about you? I need his power. And so there's a treasure there. And so when I see the treasure, I look in this field and say, you know what? There's the treasure chest called Jesus. And when I have him, I have a foundation for my life that will get me through the storms. When I find Jesus, I've got freedom in my life. And I need liberation from the bondages and the things that will hold me back. And when I find Jesus, I have the force of God working in my life. And I also have, as I've said here, focus as well because he's he's the one that walks with you and gives you focus day in and day out. He's your guide that walks with you step by step along the way. And the fourth thing that you have when you have Jesus, you have this treasure chest that brings to you favor and friendship with God. I'm thankful for the favor of God that Jesus gives, aren't you? In fact, he said when he preached this, one of his first messages, Jesus said, I came to announce the day of the Lord's favor. You know what favor is? Favor is God doing stuff for you that you don't deserve. That's what favor is. Favor is God opening doors for you that you could never have opened for yourself. I look back on my life and I look at the times when God opened doors for me that I had. I mean, I, I, it wasn't because I was so great. It was because God, God's favor was there. I had Jesus working in my life. And for some of you, what you need right now is you need the favor of God, and the favor of God comes through a relationship. Being a disciple of Jesus is not that you earn it, but it's a part of the packet. It's the benefit packet of coming, of walking with Christ. There's favor. There's friendship with God. What does that mean? It means that God is your friend all the time. There's never a time that you're alone. You might feel alone, but you're not alone because Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never, ever forsake you. And so here is the treasure chest. What's in that treasure chest? Let's open it up and find out. Well, there's Jesus in the treasure chest. And what does Jesus do for us? Well, he brings us a foundation so that when the storms come, we're gonna be okay. In the treasure chest, there's freedom that sets us free from sin and guilt and condemnation and those things that would hold us back. When we open that treasure chest, there's the force of God's power that's available to us and the focus that comes with a guide walking with us. There's the favor and friendship with God. Number five, there's a future of hope for you in Jesus. I'm not dreading the future. I'm looking forward to it. You know why? Because I know who has my future. And I realize today that I'm walking with one who's already planned out my future for me, and he's got me in the palm of his hand, and I have a good future because I have Jesus. Does that mean that everything in my future is always going to be peaches and and cream? No. Everything's going to be. No, but I can tell you this whatever we walk through in the future, Jesus will be with us, and there's always something good that he can bring out of it because the Bible says all things work together for the, good, for the good of them that love God and those that are called according to his purpose. So we lay claim to that reality. And the ultimate end of the story is I'm not living here forever anyway. I'm going somewhere else, okay? I'm looking for the greatest future of all. I'm going to spend eternity with God in heaven. That's the joy of my life, and I want to do everything possible to have the richest rewards that I can when I get to heaven. I don't want to spend my time for junk here, okay? Okay? For stuff, and just pour out my energies just to, to, to have the stuff that's earthly. Nothing wrong with earthly stuff. But what I'm trying to say is don't, don't sacrifice heavenly stuff for earthly stuff, okay? That's, don't, don't sacrifice the substantial for the superficial. And realize that in Jesus, there's a future of hope. And then the last thing that we have in Christ, we have the fulfillment of our life purpose. Meaningful fruitfulness with our work that when Jesus comes into your life, there's a fulfillment that you can find no other place. Can I remind you of something here today? We all long for fulfillment. And I just want, I'm going to say something to you that you probably already know, okay? And I just want to remind you as your pastor, is that okay? Okay. Just to give you a reminder because, you know, as as spiritual children, sometimes we need to be reminded of things. Your fulfillment in life, are you listening? Your fulfillment in life will not come through money, okay? Nothing wrong with money. In fact, the Bible never says there's anything wrong with money. The Bible says there's a lot wrong with the love of money. Okay, love of money is the root of all evil. But if you're trying to find fulfillment by increasing your net worth and you feel like you're going to finally feel fulfilled if you get just so much money in your life, it's not going to happen. That doesn't do it for anybody, okay? You will never even be fulfilled by your profession, okay? And I believe in the importance of fulfilling your profession. Whatever work you do and calling you're involved in, it is important to God. Your work is a part of your worship. But your work alone, so you can become a workaholic and still be unfulfilled, okay? There are a lot of very unfulfilled workaholics, okay? Still trying to find their identity through their work and find their fulfillment through their work. It's not going to do it for you. It will not even come through your, your human relationships, okay? You have the greatest friends in your life. You have great, wonderful people around you. But at the end of the day, you still have to deal with you, right? There's still a you that you carry around with you. And so the, the, those relationships are never going to be fulfilled, and, and they'll never be perfect. They'll always be people that will let you down. There's nothing that I could list. I could list 500 different things today. None of those things that we often think of in terms of fulfillment would bring it. There's only one thing. I hope you're listening today because this is God's word to you. There's only one thing that will bring you absolute fulfillment in life, and that's the treasure chest called Jesus. There's nothing like that. That's why the man, I'm going to wrap up with this. That's why the man, when he comes through the field, he's walking through this field and discovers, wow, there's a treasure chest here. And he opens up that chest and begins to see what's in there. He says, oh, I'm going to hide that back there. I'm going to go sell everything I have, everything I have, I'm going to sell because I'm going to go buy that piece of land. I'm going to buy the field because I want the treasure that's in the field. And he made the investment because he realized the joy that would come by having the treasure. And the man that was looking around for all the wonderful pearls of the world, and he finds one pearl, and he like, wow, this is the greatest pearl of all. I've never discovered a pearl like that. There doesn't even exist another pearl like this. This is incredible. It's the pearl of greatest price. I'm going to go sell everything I have, whatever, whatever asset I have. That pearl is worth it. I want to be all in. I want the treasure. I want the pearl. And in, in receiving that, they receive the greatest gift of all. The same is true for you and me. Don't settle. Listen, don't settle with just being a believer. Move beyond just being a believer and say, I want to be a disciple. I want to go all Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. We're so very grateful that you're speaking to our hearts, Lord, all of our campuses today here in Gaithersburg and Frederick, universities at Shady Grove, Lord, for every person that's listening today. I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to move beyond just being a believer in you to becoming a true disciple, a follower of you. I pray that today we would make choices and decisions that would say, God, we're giving up our plans. We're giving up our opinions and preferences. Lord, we want you to own our lives completely. Be Lord of our lives today, we pray, in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord Will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention His name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner, and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life. To forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today, in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward, in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ.